Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining me again on Results with RLS. Today, I am with Victoria Boast, who is a female fat loss um, specialist. We will be talking about the menstrual cycle today. But firstly, if I could ask you to go and follow my socials, that would be perfect. But we will get on with the podcast today, basically. And as I said, I'm joined by Victoria today. Hello, Victoria. Hey, you okay? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. So as I said before, um, we're talking about the menstrual cycle today. Victoria Hare's a female fat loss um, expert, basically. Um, she specializes in um, female fat loss. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Victoria? Yeah, so I worked in bars and restaurants for 18 years. Um, and obviously with that, lots of free food, lots of free drinks. Um, so I became a little bit overweight, got to about a size 18 um, and then realized that clothes weren't fitting. I was having to go in like different clothes shops, shops that I didn't really want to fit in. Um, so that was kind of like my trigger po point, like my low point, I guess you could say. And I think a lot of people on a weight loss journey will have some kind of trigger. Um, and for me, that was it. The, I couldn't fit into the clothes that I wanted to fit into, especially being in bars and restaurants and obviously going on nights out. Um, I then decided to embark on my own. Um, I did it on my own. Luckily, I found calorie counting. Um, so I didn't do any like crazy fad diets. Um, and then obviously through that process, I kind of fell in love with learning more about nutrition, how I can eat more, but still kind of maintain my weight. Um, so I was really heavily into the education of trying to educate myself. Um, I then got myself a personal trainer. And within a couple of weeks, I was like, this is a job for me. So literally did a 180, left my management role in bars, uh, retrained as a PT. And within six months was, well, less than six months was working um, on the gym floor. Um, and that was just over four years ago now. Um, so yeah, completely just changed my life around. <laughs> no, that's um, really good to hear. And it's, that kind of drive that gets us into the industry as well um, from own experiences and stuff like that. And I've experienced myself where I've been, been that overweight part, been that, that down in the mental health side um, as well. But that's really good to hear um, your background story as well, Victoria. But we'll, we'll get into the nitty gritty, basically. So as I said, um, we are covering the menstrual cycle today. And Victoria, could you just, um, obviously being a male, um, we don't have to go through um, this on a, basically, a, is it a monthly, bi-monthly um, process? Yeah, so typically every 25 to 32 days, um, females will obviously experience a menstrual cycle. Um, it can obviously vary, but that's what is classed as like the healthy range for it to be between. Oh, good. So, um, just break it down. Like, what actually, what actually gets experienced um, from a woman's perspective in the menstrual cycle? Because, uh, as I said, men men don't have this um, occur to them at all. So, it would be really good um, to learn some knowledge from yourself to actually give us more um, knowledge to know what you experience. Okay. So, any of the research on the menstrual cycle is based on 28 days, which is four weeks. So, like I said, it can vary from 25 to 32. 
Um, however, anything that is reported is based on 28 days. So that's how I'm going to speak about it today. So that's four weeks. So each week of the menstrual cycle, a woman is a different physiology, different hormones are at play and different things are going on in the body. So it's a lot for a female to deal with. And if they are unaware of what these phases are and you know how they're going to react and how they're going to feel, um, sometimes through a dieting phase, it can feel really frustrating. It can get people down. Um, so I'm all about education for my clients of understanding the menstrual cycle and in particular, understanding their own menstrual cycle. So no two females will be the same. Um, if you are someone that goes, oh, I'm a 28 day cycle. Next month, you could be 25. The month after you could be 28. The next month, you could be 27. Like it literally varies month to month. So yes, there's a rough guideline of prediction. Um, which is why I always say to clients to track the cycle so they can see patterns and kind of roughly understand. Um, it can lengthen if you are stressed. Um, so again, that is something to kind of be aware of. Um, but if you are tracking your cycle and you know that, oh, okay, it's gone on a bit longer, I'm a feeling stressed and, you know, like signs to kind of look out for. Um, so like I said, it's over four weeks. The first two weeks are your follicular phase. So that just means that the egg is developing uh, the follicle um, in those first two weeks. Then around day 14 is when ovulation occurs. So the egg is released um, and that is the ov ovulation. So around day 14. Um, and then in the second half, that is the luteal phase. Um, in the first phase, estrogen is the dominant hormone. And then in the second phase, progesterone is the dominant hormone. Nice. Um, that's good to hear the almost the science behind it as well. And it quote me if I'm wrong, but I did hear somewhere, do men experience some sort of kind of cycle like this with hormones and stuff like that? Or don't you know too much about that? Um, from my knowledge, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. any, anything I have ever listened to, like men are flatlined, they're just the same day in, day out. Obviously, they're going to be governed by things like stress and everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. But hormones, so like testosterone related, um, no, you're, you're perfectly fine, which is why men can handle a dieting phase um, better than a female exactly and it's good that you you mentioned that because obviously a lot of, a lot of women obviously when they're going through their fat loss process which both are not both me and you should know that it's not it's not going to happen over the course of four six weeks sometimes it can take a lot longer so they're going to be going through this menstrual cycle quite a few times so how how would it affect um as you say a dieting phase when someone is looking for fat loss so just so people are aware of how to track the cycle cycle is the first day of bleeding so that is what you would class as day one if anyone is wondering oh well i don't know how do i know what day i'm on um so day one is the first day of the menstrual cycle so day one to day five potentially day seven obviously you are on your menstrual cycle um and that is that first week um estrogen once that follicle starts being stimulated um is then starting on the rise so from day one estrogen is then becoming more present and obviously it's getting higher estrogen is the hormone that gives you the strength in the gym which is gonna help lower your appetite as well so again it's very individual it's very specific to each person so 
with tracking your cycle of obviously you know just knowing how many days long it is it's also good to track um how you feel how your hunger is how your tiredness is things like that once you've done it a few times a few months you kind of understand so they do say that from day one so the first day of your period the hunger will drop i personally find it goes to about day five so i'm aware of that i'm aware that maybe up to day five you know i'm gonna in a little bit of extra hunger however you could say from like day 10 to day 21 is like prime time for absolutely everything i mean even day 7 to 21 so the middle two weeks are where you are your strongest where hunger is at its lowest where you are unstoppable as a female (laughs) then when you get to day 21 um that's obviously when you get in again towards your menstrual cycle coming along that last week of the cycle is where you're going to start feeling tired where you're going to start feeling fatigued where the hunger is going to start kicking in now the hunger kicks in is because as a female your temperature will raise now it's only about half a degree but that's enough to increase your metabolism um and through that it's about one to three hundred calories per day that your body is needing extra um, through producing um, extra heat and obviously being a little hotter um, and your heart beats a little bit faster as well. Um, So those two processes give you an extra one to 300 calorie burn per day, which is where that hunger comes from. And obviously not a lot of people will understand that or know that. However, the hunger experience can feel up to five, six, seven, eight hundred calories more. And you ask any female, they go one way or the other. They're either absolutely ravenous or they just don't experience hunger at all. And I did have a couple of clients that didn't experience hunger at all, which is amazing. Um, But it's that last week um, of the four week cycle where you are going to experience the hunger. And obviously that's going to be really tough. So you're going to be tired. You're going to be fatigued. You're going to be experiencing hunger. So that is not the best week to diet. And if you're starting a brand new diet, you know, you want to start in the best place possible. So you want to start on day seven of your cycle. So then you've got day seven to day 21 to kind of nail those habits, nail that food, nail that routine. So then when the hunger and the tiredness comes along, you're kind of in a better position to then to be able to handle that because you've already done two weeks of dieting. No one wants to start a diet on day 22 of the cycle. They're just not going to handle it. They're going to feel like a failure. They're going to go, oh, I'm experiencing all this hunger. I don't understand why. Um, And that's because they've started it just at the wrong point in their menstrual cycle, which again, you know, it's not educated out there to kind of females of, you know, this is what you should do. Um, So yeah, so you don't really want to be starting a diet towards the end of your cycle. And for some clients, I will say, go to maintenance calories for that last week. You're more better off dieting for three weeks of the month, every single month, than trying to diet for four and absolutely failing on that fourth one and doing undoing some of the work that you've done in the first three weeks. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I was literally about to then go on to it, but you um, covered it quite clearly. Like, what would you do in that kind of period? But that, oh, that obviously makes sense. Like, you don't want to be going into an like an excessive um, calorie deficit and basically go for the go for the chocolate or go for the ice cream whatever your um your go-to food would be in that kind of week which um you gotta say like 
obviously having uh, um, some exes and um, my partner currently as well, seeing them go through periods and stuff like that, you, you want your comfort food, you want to go for, um, as I say, the chocolates, the whatever you, your indulgence is, and basically defour it to the point where you, you're full, basically. But Yeah, you know, and, I, and I feel like with that as well, like I'm not about restricting any clients of any yeah. foods. I will personally have chocolate and biscuits every single day. Um, I'll have cake whenever it's offered. And the reason is that when you do get to that hunger phase, you're not going, oh, I've deprived myself of chocolate for three weeks. I'm going to, like you say, eat as much as you can until you feel sick or you feel full. Because if you're then having it every day on a daily basis, it doesn't become one of those restrictive foods. It doesn't become something that when you've got the opportunity, you're going to eat as much as you can. Um, so also it's important to incorporate the foods that you would go to at week four throughout your cycle so then when obviously it does get to week four you're not going right i'm going to eat everything in sight and you know eat all this highly palatable food that i've kind of restricted myself from um for the past three four weeks but that that actually helps me as a coach as well because obviously i deal with both males and females and understanding that a lot better knowing when they have that kind of period of their eye for feeling really tired and they are eating potential much because um, obviously that is a bit of a, a personal matter because obviously um, I don't want to keep constantly asking when they're on <laughs> and so yeah. knowing when they do have that dip I know I can work with that and basically maybe even nudge them to say oh is is it the time of the month just know that they are comfortable to know that they can eat a little bit more as well and me knowing as a coach why that's happening as well really benefits me as a coach as well so thank you for that yeah so, for for that just for that point sorry um yeah. with clients um one-to-one -one clients that are online in their check-in form i will say what day of your cycle are you on um and then for clients coming into the gym i might again ask you know um do you know what day of your cycle you're on like and that is more of a rather than going oh you're on your period today you yeah know, people might not want that question personally but yeah. if you just say what day of your cycle are you on you know, if no one knows what you're talking about, then, you know, it's kind of a little bit more discreet. Yeah. Um, so if they go, oh, one second, I'll just check my phone on my app and they go, oh, I'm on day 21. You know what day 21 means. So you know yeah. how to train them, you know what diet advice to give. Um, so I just find that that's probably the best way of kind of approaching that. Yeah, no, 100 percent, 100 percent. And that that's good as well, because obviously that goes into the next question I was about to ask that. And you've pretty much covered it as well, and we'll only briefly cover it anyway. But it it must affect your training quite quite badly, especially that period of hunger as well. Like if you are keeping on top of your calories um, in that um, week where you are burning a lot more calories because of your menstrual cycle, when you do keep on top of your calories, do you find training is still tough, or do you find it's a little bit better? So I work on RPE with clients. So whether I'm in the gym or whether they're online, I'll say, how tough is this exercise out of 10? And if they're saying, oh, it's a six, obviously it's fairly easy. If they're saying, oh my God, this is an eight or nine, then they're finding it tough. So that will always apply whether you're feeling weak in your menstrual cycle or whether you're feeling strong. So always go in the gym or doing whatever exercise, kind of do a couple of testing sets and kind of say, how is this feeling on a scale of one to 10? Because as much as I can say from day 21, your strength might be decreasing because estrogen's kind of not in play anymore and it's progesterone at play. So you can't recover as much. 
um and you know you might need longer between training sessions it's again very individual some people don't notice a difference some people can just smash gym sessions all the time however around ovulation around day 14 is when you are going to get your pbs in the gym is when you are your strongest from probably like say Day 11 to 16 is where you are going to absolutely smash your gym sessions. And again, it's about not being disheartened when you get to day 27 and you can't get anywhere close to that PB and your strength has just fallen through the floor. If you work on that scale of 1 to 10 and you're honestly saying this exercise is an 8 or 9 out of 10, then that is fine. But there's also something to remember in that fourth week there's another hormone at play and that is called relaxing. And it does exactly that. It relaxes all your joints and your ligaments. So you are then susceptible to more injury. Um, so it's also important to be aware that you might have your strength still there, but potentially you could be susceptible to injury because of this hormone relaxing. And what that does is towards the end of the cycle, if you then fell pregnant, it would continue to rise. And the reason that it is present is because then obviously nine months later, when you're about to give birth, that hormone is super high and it does relax all your joints, your ligaments and everything to enable obviously you to pass a baby. Um, so that is what that role of that hormone is. If you don't get pregnant, then obviously from day one, it will just drop off again. Um, but obviously it's super important to remember that, like I said, you know, your strength might be there in that last week, but this hormone just makes you a little bit more susceptible to injury. So it's potentially a good idea to go to like machine based workouts in that last week rather than do like free weights or something where you really rely in on stability. And that's another really good bit of information there. As I say, from, from a coach, I am learning quite a bit from this alone as well. So thank you. Because as I say, like from especially a lot of more experienced people in the gym where you, you may still be in control of knowing when your cycle is and stuff like that, but not knowing this simple stuff. Well, I say simple. It's actually um, sounding a lot more complicated than what I actually <laughs> You're making it sound really simple. Um, but knowing this and knowing why you can't push yourself on um, the, the, the last week or knowing why you potentially get injured every time that this time of the month um, occurs on this this week when you are feeling hungrier, you are feeling um, a little bit weaker and knowing that it's okay to go a little bit lighter, go on to an, a different sort of um, exercise and actually be better for it as well or even potentially taking a rest week yeah 100 percent. you know a deload week that week would be great so a deload week is just where you go into the gym do the same workout plan but obviously reduce either the sets the reps or the load you know if you are someone that really likes training and wants to carry on training a deload week for week four is perfect and you know you could kind of do a deload week have a little bit more food and, you know, you're then going to be hitting week one in an absolutely amazing place. You are well rested. You are well fed. As soon as that estrogen hits, you are getting that strength. You've got that kind of motivation to kind of go again. And then essentially you're going to be burning more calories because you're going to be putting more effort into your workouts. You know, you're going to be absolutely smashing the gym. You're going to be smashing those PBs. So where people might think that, oh, well, you know, a week of the month, I'm just wasting everything. It's like, flip it on its head and think it's like, you know, an opportunity to get some rest in and um, get some more food in and then just be ready to go again. 
No, that's that's perfect. That is, and this actually goes on nicely to my my next question to you. Actually, is this a bit like fat loss when it comes to like every person is different? Will it vary from woman to woman? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean. I've looked at lots of data, lots of research, and I'm telling you what is textbook. But then obviously that's where the coaching comes in. Um, same with you. You know, one person isn't the same as the next person, even though the answer for fat loss is the same. You know, it's very specific um, and it's just taking each person um, or each woman through the menstrual cycle. And they need to be their own scientists. They need to track their own cycle. They need to track their moods. They need to track their hunger, their strength, absolutely everything. And then come to you with that information. And then you can say, right, okay, based on what you've said, this is what I feel that you should do. Because no no two women are going to have the same cycle. And even month to month, you're going to be different each cycle anyway. You know, if there's stress involved, you know, there's loads of different things that can kind of affect the menstrual cycle. Um, and affect you personally as well. You know, if you're having a tough time at work, you know, that could kind of affect things. And, you know, like I said, if you're someone that says, oh, my cycle's 28 days, it's not going to be 28 days every single month. It is always going to vary. So you, even if you're kind of regular, it's still not regular, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, exactly. And I suppose the the severity of a period as well can affect um a woman because i've had a few um clients in the past where they've had a mess with me on the day and said look i physically can't get in the gym because I'm, I'm i've got really bad cramps basically so i'm i'm assuming it the the pain threshold from person to person can um vary as well yeah i mean obviously each person has a different level of pain threshold anyway um, but the way that I've kind of heard it said before and the way that I like to say it to clients is like your period each month is like your monthly report card. If it's really heavy, if it's really like painful, that is your sign to look for what is wrong. Um, and when I say what is wrong, I don't mean there's something severely wrong. Like I said, you know, it could just be stress. That that could be the answer. Um, but if you're constantly having really heavy periods, if you're constantly getting like really bad cramps, then it could potentially be worth going to speak to a doctor. And um, please don't be fobbed off by any kind of contraception. Sometimes that's the doctor's way of saying, let's put a plaster on it. That's not the answer. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and it's again, you know, just by eating healthier could help it a little bit. I mean, there are some supplements and um, the ones I recommend to clients. Um, magnesium is really great um, for menstrual cramps. Um, taking aspirin um, the week before um, your cycle um, can also help reduce cramps. Um, there's something in aspirin that kind of reacts to what is causing the cramps. So directly targets them rather than ibuprofen or paracetamol. Um, you know, vitamin D um, is great as well. Um, you know, nothing that I wouldn't give just the everyday person, you know, we all should be having probably magnesium anyway, you know, we all should be having vitamin D3, making sure, you know, we've got enough. Um, so there are a couple of things that you can do. But again, it's very person related and potentially um, heavy periods and cramps could mean that you've got some kind of menstrual dis as well. So you mentioned about um, contraceptive, um, like the pill and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think um, women should 
like, because obviously I know um, you've got to take a break with the pill and stuff like that, but I know certain um, pills you can go all the way through the month, basically, to obviously stop that. W- what's your uh, opinion on that? Um, personally, obviously, I've used contraception in the past. Um, it's only through doing education um, that the more natural cycles you can have, um, the better you're going to go through like menopause um, and the better you're going to be in older age. So the more natural cycles you can have, obviously the more um, natural hormones you're putting in your body, the the healthier you'll be into older age. Yeah. Um, I'm not massively into contraception and understanding it all because it is an absolute minefield. Um, and if you think I've told you some complicated information today, like that is just on another level. Yeah. Um, so what contraception does is just mimic your hormones. So it stops you comp- like completely producing your own. So it's just a synthetic hormone. So some are progesterone only, um, known as like POP. Um, and they keep you in that second two weeks of your cycle all the time. So that's no estrogen present. And if you remember, the second two weeks of your cycle are probably the worst. You know, you're not as strong. You might have um, extra hunger, you know. So that's not really a good phase to be in. Some of them, which are like the combined pill, will do a bit of estrogen and a bit of progesterone. Again, they're just false hormones, um, generally stopping your body from releasing an egg. And it's like if you prolong stopping your body from doing something, then when you come off the contraception, it's potentially likely not to want to start that again. I mean, again, you know, it's very subjective and I wouldn't want to say, oh, you know, I'm gospel on what I say with contraception because, like I said, I don't go into it that much because it is far too complicated. Um, But basically, it is stopping you have a natural cycle. So any client that is on contraception will not be having those natural hormones, so they wouldn't naturally go through these or they wouldn't experience what I've said, what I've said today is all about someone that isn't on contraception and is having a natural cycle. However, you know, you still can experience these if you are on contraception, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, it's very hard to kind of know. No, that's fine. It's, it's just good to hear it from um, someone else who's obviously done research and um, looked into it a little bit more. Um, say from, from a, from a male perspective we like even in schools and stuff like that and i think i think it's actually a downside um or, or quite bad from the education system that we don't we learn the the minimum of it obviously women need to know a lot more about their bodies etc cetera, etc cetera. but i think if men had a bit more of knowing what women go through with this kind of stuff it would always just make it easier for us to understand and yeah and i, I mean i didn't really know any of this stuff until like five six years ago you know when I started looking into it myself so you know I used to like I said be on contraception abuse the pills and whatever and you know not really knowing kind of the lasting effects or you know how it would kind of affect me at all I think I I think as well like going a bit off subject with that as well that it's bad things obviously yeah you want you want to stop any unnecessary births and or pregnancies and stuff like that but i think because it's such a it's such an easy way out to to prevent it we need to look at other courses but that that's that's a completely different (laughs) completely different (laughs) podcast anyway but we won't go down that rabbit hole but we will go on to like is there any um other complications and stuff like that when it comes to the cycle that you've either experienced or seen from a client perspective or um, research yourself? 
Um, yeah, so I've had quite a few clients kind of come to me and like said, you know, I, I wouldn't say I specialize specifically in the men um, into the menstrual cycle or menopause or things like that. But, yeah, yeah. you know, I make sure I've got enough knowledge to kind of educate clients and then pass them on to their GP. Um, so like I said, you know, your monthly period is like your report card. If it's really, if it's awful, then something needs to kind of be looked into. And one thing um, with clients is if they track their cycle and it's very irregular or, you know, it's like they're missing some periods sometimes, you know, that can be an indication of something. Um, I'll go over a couple of the things. So I won't go into like major detail. Um, so if you have um, absent periods completely um, so you don't have any, some people might think that, oh, that's great. Um, called amenorrhea um you can get hypothalamic amenorrhea so that comes from stress so if you are really stressed you can maybe miss two or three periods um amenorrhea is generally either really really low body fat so people that compete on stage may lose their menstrual cycle and that is the body's way of saying you've not got enough fat or you are too stressed to be able to bring a child into this world. The body is very, very clever. Yeah. Um, there is also a ligamenorrhea, so that's less than eight periods per year. Um, and then there's also PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome. So you can have um, irregular periods with that or absent periods. You can also have polycystic ovaries and you can also have hyperandrogenism, which just means you've got a higher level of testosterone. Um, so that may mean that the female is stronger than their other friends. They may have facial hair or hair in places that men would generally have, um, or they may have like a male pattern um, of fat. So obviously females are generally like waist and hips, um, Sorry, yeah, and and obviously like lower body, um, yeah. whereas if it's more of a male pattern around the middle, like a big belly, um, then that could kind of be a sign of that as well. So out of those three, they only need to have two to have PCOS. Um, so because there's three and you only need two, there's four different types of PCOS. So again, that would you know, depend um, what they would kind of feel and obviously the symptoms that kind of come with that. Um, and with PCOS, your metabolism can be up to 40% lower than someone of your age, height, weight, and gender. So 40% is absolutely massive. Now, yeah. there's no way of knowing where you are on that scale. Um, and there is a lean version of PCOS. Um, but if you're not kind of monitoring your menstrual cycle, you're not aware that you've got PCOS, if you've not been for tests or whatever, and you're just ignoring the signs and symptoms, then you could be trying to diet and your metabolism is lower. And you're like, I'm on 1200 calories. Why am I just not losing weight? And yes, unfortunately for some PCOS clients, they may need to go down to like drastically low calories. Um, you know, but then it's about taking that um, syndrome and kind of playing it at its advantage. So if you've got their hyperandrogenism and you're stronger, then you want to be smashing those gym sessions. You know, you want to be kind of playing it to your advantage. Um, there's also two more which are very similar, endometriosis and adenomyosis. And that is where the endometrial tissue, so that's inside the womb, grows outside. Um, this tissue is very sticky. 
um, so it can kind of stick organs together. And if it's growing outside of the womb, it'll just keep growing and growing and growing. So it can get like a big mass, obviously, inside, um, which, as you can imagine, isn't pleasant. Because yeah. it is endometrial tissue, it also reacts to the hormones. So every time you hit your menstrual cycle um, and you have your period, that tissue that is outside the womb will also react the same. So it will bleed in internally. Um, so if people are having like really heavy cramps or, you know, like debilitating pain when they're going through the period, it could be a sign of either endometriosis or adenomyosis. Again, which is why it's super important for people to kind of track the cycle and, and how they feel. Because obviously if your tissue starts growing outside and it's just a little bit to begin with, the pain's not too bad. And then you get two years down the line and you're like, why are my periods really painful now? Um, you know, it could be a buildup of this tissue. And I have had clients with PCOS, with endometriosis, with adenomyosis. I've actually got one client that's got all three um, cool. who's just gone through a full hysterectomy. Um, and now she's pretty much pain free, obviously, you know, just recovering from surgery. Um, but she lost two stone before she went into that surgery. Um, so obviously make sure her recovery um, was great. But without scaring anyone, you know, just if you've got a painful period, it doesn't mean you've got one of these. But it's just important for me to kind of highlight that this is why it's important to track feelings, thoughts, like how you feel, hunger, um, and obviously your cycle. No, that's um, really insightful, actually. And um, that's a good way to kind of summarise our, our podcast for today. Basically, the the topics to take away today or if you're going to take anything away today especially if you are female is to obviously track your cycle make sure that it's uh it's it's your your cycle at the end of the day so you need to keep on top of it if you are going through some sort of fat loss um to make the the first couple of weeks um count almost and then the the last the last one to uh to maybe change your calories maybe eat a little bit more um either deload um go for a rest week and if you are experiencing any sort of imbalances with your cycle or any like really painful um periods and stuff like that to go seek medical help and it if you are struggling to understand cycle i would um probably recommend victoria to speak to basically from the from yeah. the of it. um <laughs> But no, that's um that's been really insightful today. Thank you um for coming and uh speak about it basically. Yeah, um, no problem. And I will probably have Victoria on another podcast because um as I say she's given me a bunch of knowledge as well to take away and um use. So thank you for joining me today, Victoria. Yeah, no problem. And thank you for listening um today's podcast, which we've been talking about menstrual cycle. I am Ross. I've been talking to Victoria and we shall speak to you later. Thanks for um, coming on the show, Victoria. Yep. And I shall see you all next week. Thanks then.